We are going through the book of Acts. I just had my 56th birthday. And uh, no, no. <laughs> I feel every bit of it. We're going through the book of Acts. And uh, we're at Acts 17. We got that map on deck. Uh, oh, nice. We got it. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, let's pray. God, we, uh, we thank you for Jesus. We thank you for this time to come to you in prayer. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We, we thank you to, uh, for, for the opportunity to be together, to gather, to sing together, to pray together. To worship you. Father, we're grateful that your Holy Spirit intercedes in our prayers and is in direct accordance with your will. And we claim that right now as we we lift our voices and our hearts to you. We pray, Father, for those that are in need. We pray for those that are hurting. We pray for those that are looking for understanding. We pray for those that need a word from you. God, please help me to get out of the way. And I pray in Jesus' name that the words that I say will be acceptable in your sight. We pray that you'd bless the fellowship. And we thank you in advance and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So uh, last week, does anybody remember uh, the title and the catchphrase that we had with it? God's got a mission. It's a journey. And, and we are in it. Yes. We're going through the uh, the journeys of Paul and his companions as they, they go and share uh, the good news of Jesus Christ. And this is Paul's second missionary journey. And we see here that, 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 that the whole idea from last week, we didn't have this up. But you see this. This is a journey that they're on. And there are a lot of things that happen during the course of journeys in our lives. Amen. And sometimes if we're not careful. As Christians or people that look at Christians, we think it's supposed to go perfect. And when it doesn't go well, then we have a problem with it. In a lot of ways, we think that God isn't working. Yeah, not all of us, but some of us. And maybe I'm the only person in the room that's had that moment. We think, man, God's not working. But he's working and I wanted to be able to pull this 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 map up. And you see here in in Tarsus, uh, it says Paul and Barnabas divided over John Mark and uh, Barnabas and John Mark set sail to Cyprus. And Paul and Silas go through uh, Syria and Sicilia. And you see this breaking apart, this separation. They're separated for uh, the reasons that they have. And then you see this part where. Paul and, and, and Silas, uh, they, they recruit Timothy. And so you see Timothy right here in Lystra. They, they've got him. And then you go up through Antioch and Pisidia and uh, Phrygia. And then you go up a little bit further. And then you see where Paul is forbidden by the Spirit to preach in Asia and Bithynia. Yeah? So he can't go north and he can't go south. He's got to go straight ahead. So then he goes through Mycenae to Troas, and, and then he's called to, to go and preach in Macedonia. And so then he goes there, and then he goes up 
him and his guys to Samotrace, as some people say, or Samotrake. Uh, they go there, Theos, Neapolis, Philippi, and Philippolis, and then we get to this Thessalonica piece, and we see some Jews caused uproar and attack Jason. Jason, you in the house? I know you get a lot of jokes about that one, huh? house is attacked and so Paul and Silas are doing their thing. The Bereans receive their word. Paul speaks out in the Areopagus and then uh, so on and so forth. But I, I wanted to a um, lot of material to cover. Uh, Tony Yanas um, would tell me you need to pick one passage and stay with it. I, I want to can, can we do something? If you've got your, your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn, and, and if you don't have them, First uh, Thessalonians. And from the beginning, I can read in Acts 17, 1 through, 1 through 9, just so you, you kind of get how this all goes together. We were, uh, our reading plan says read Acts 17, 1 through 9, and then you go through First and Second Thessalonians. A short ministry in Thessalonica. Then they traveled through Amphipolis and Apollonia and came to Thessalonica where, where there was a Jewish synagogue. And as usual, Paul went to them and on three Sabbath days reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and showing that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead and saying at this uh, saying this Messiah, Jesus, whom I'm proclaiming to you. Then some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, including a great number of God fearing Greeks, as well as a number of leading women. And then we get to this piece where it says the assault on Jason's house and the Jews became jealous and when they had brought together some scoundrels, my Bible says, from the marketplace and formed a mob, they set the city in an uproar, attacking Jason's house. They searched for them to bring them out into the public assembly. When they did not find them, they dragged Jason and some of his brothers and some of the brothers before the city officials, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here, too. And Jason has received them as guests. They are all acting contrary to Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, Jesus. The Jews stirred up the crowd and the city officials who heard these things. So taking a security bond from Jason and the others, they released them. So we see Bell's bondsmen in effect in the first century church. So that's an old thing. You know, we see this this story of of, you know, Paul had a, a tendency. It was his it was his bent. It was this what the Lord had put on his heart as you were going to start with the Jews before you go to the Gentiles. So so Paul goes to the synagogue and preaches for three weeks. And then he's ran out of there. Now, that doesn't mean that he's not where he's at, but he's ran out of the synagogue. And so he ends up taking off and Jason had housed him, one of the brothers. 
and they got after him. And so he had to leave. Now, if you read, if you haven't read uh, Acts 17, I want you to read it. But this this has to do with the Thessalonians. We get to this piece and I wanted to read this passage to you. And then I wanted to do something that um, I pray that the Lord blesses. We're reading a little bit of scripture this morning. Brando, you don't have your glasses. You might as well pick up your Bible and read it. First Thessalonians. Paul, Salvanus and Timothy. Salvanus is silence. To the church of the Thessalonians in God, the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We always thank God for all of you remembering, remembering you constantly in our prayers. Recall in the presence of our God and Father your work of faith, labor of love, and endurance of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing your election, brothers, loved by God. For our gospel did not come to you in word only, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit. And with much assurance, you know what kind of men we were among you for your benefit. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. When in spite of persecution, you welcomed the message with joy from the Holy Spirit. As a result, you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia, for the Lord's message rang out from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but, but in every place that your faith in God has gone out. So we don't need to say anything. For they themselves report about us what kind of reception we had from you. How you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And to wait for a son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the coming wrath. Now, Paul gets ran out of town after all of this and the Thessalonians get this message. And Paul writes this several months after visiting to encourage the church. And church, I want to encourage you. In this journey, you know, we're, we're in a lot of ways we're coming out of the pandemic. Well, maybe we're not coming out of it. I don't know when it'll end. I don't know when social justice, I don't know when that all get worked out. I don't know when the political schemes, I don't know when all of those things get worked out, but there's something that they do in kingdom kids. There's something that they do when people graduate from things. Tony graduated, uh, uh, Samantha graduated. Um, you know, we had our high school graduates. You acknowledge new seasons. And I don't know how new this season is, but it's a new season. And there's something to the idea of being able to look back and to say, because Paul writes this to these Christians as they're going through persecution. And in a lot of ways, we've we've experienced our own persecution, whether whether it was self-inflicted or however that works. It's been a challenging year. I saw something online and it said that 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 my father-in-law said it's been 17 months since I've seen my daughter in person. 
You know, we don't see each other in person for that amount of time. When things are changed for us for that amount of time, it's a challenge. When everything in some sense is turned upside down, it's a challenge. We feel it, whether we admit it or not. But with the message, title of the message is remembering the message of the known God. Remembering the message of these, the known God. Now, the Thessalonians, they remembered. Yeah. Paul goes in the synagogue. He preaches the word and he doesn't preach from the New Testament. That's not available. He preaches from the Old Testament in Isaiah. He uses all these texts from the Old Testament to preach to the Jews and say. There is a known God. Think of him differently, but here he is. Church, the things that you've gone through in the last year have not only helped you to know God, but they've helped the people around you to know God. Does that make sense? You know, it's interesting because there's something to said about being a Christian that that I don't know if we fully grasp. It's called struggle and suffering. And when we don't start, when we don't understand struggle and suffering, we kind of get it mixed up with reconciliation. We get it mixed up with transformation. But we're still in this world. And there is struggle. Who are we called to imitate? Did he suffer? He suffered. He died. He rose again. And that brought about reconciliation and new life for us. We follow along those same lines in that same pattern. Does that make sense? I, I want to show you. Um, I'm going to read our communion passage, but I'm not going to jump into it. There's there's. There's the Jews and the Greeks. And as Paul is preaching in the synagogue. In Isaiah chapter 52. One of the servant songs. You ready? Isaiah 52. Starting in verse. 13. See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and greatly exalted. Just as many were appalled at you, his appearance was so disfigured that he did not look like a man. And his form did not resemble a human being. So he will sprinkle many nations. Kings will shut their mouths because of him. For they will see what had not been told them, and they will understand what they had not heard. Who has believed what we have heard? And who has the arm of the Lord been revealed to? He grew up before him like a young plant. 
and like a root out of, out of dry ground. He had no form or splendor that we should look at him, no appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men. A man of suffering who knew what sickness was, he was like one people turned away from. He was despised, and we didn't value him. Yet he himself bore our sickness, and he carried our pain. But we, in turn, regarded him stricken, struck down by God, and afflicted. But he was pierced because of our transgressions, crushed because of our iniquities, punished for our peace was on him. And we were headed, we were healed, I'm sorry, by his wounds. We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way and the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth like a lamb led to the slaughter. And like sheep are silent before the shears, he did not open his mouth. He was taken away because of oppression and judgment. And who considered his fate? For he was cut off from the land of the living. He was struck because of my people's rebellion. They made his grave with the wicked and with a rich man at his death, although he had done no violence and had not spoken deceitfully and he made him sick when you make him a restitution offering he will see his seed he will prolong his days and the will of the Lord will succeed by his hand amen he will see it out of his anguish And he will be satisfied with his knowledge. My righteous servant will justify many and he will carry their iniquities. Therefore, I will give him the many as a portion and he will receive the mighty as a spoil because he submitted himself to death. He was counted among the rebels, yet he bore the sin of many and interceded for the rebels. In the synagogue, we go back and forth. Paul shares this passage. And in a sense, he's saying, this is the God that that you ought to know. This is the God. This is this is. This this is the the Messiah. He had to die. And they're like, no, we're looking for a Messiah that's going to be about power. He's going to do his thing and he's going to overthrow the Romans. And Paul's like, no, this is the Jesus that we have followed. This is the king. Some got it, some didn't. You know, years like last year only magnify what was going on with us before that. And they help us to see how much we know God. Because in a lot of ways, as that time is going on last year, think about it. There are ways that you thought things should happen. And they didn't. There are things that you thought should be said. There are things that happened to you. There are things that you expected and they didn't happen. 
the church, I want to encourage you with this. Though they didn't go the way that you thought they did or should, that doesn't mean that God wasn't at work. You know, we share the message. You share the message of a known God, a God that you know personally. You know, it's interesting because sometimes we we don't know God and, and we don't see the stories that are going on in our lives, but other people do. Maybe you're going, I don't know what God's story in my life is. It's been all bad. Church, I want to encourage you with this. If you're watching online, you're here. You're here. God is working. God is at work. He's making himself known to you. He's making himself known through you. He's making himself known through your challenges. He's making himself known even when you, in your quote-unquote mind, failed or someone else thinks that you did. I, 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 you know, when I, I think about a, a guy like Jason Touche, he, he moved here. And he, he came out of a job that he loved, and, and it was a wrestle along the way. And when I think about watching Jason and his progression, God has made himself known. And God continues to make himself known through Jason. His surrender. His blessings. During this time, God has provided for him and his family. His daughter became a Christian. I mean, there's incredible things that have happened in his life. And a lot of times we don't because we think in a certain way they should be some way. And I'm not saying anything about Jason or what he was thinking, but I'm saying I see that in his life. I say this to you, church. If there was ever a need in this year that was known about, did God not meet it? God has met all of our needs. Now, when we talk to people, this is the God that we know. It's not like we qualified for it. Righteousness does play a part. But God provides. Does that make sense? He makes himself known. Us going through our story makes God known. You know, sometimes we think that God should be all as powerful and we need to have vengeance and God should bang. And God, via Jesus, moves in this way that calls for sacrifice, calls for death of our egos, our wills. And the things that we desire. So that God can be glorified. The fact that you're here says something, church. Whatever trials, challenges, whatever is going on in your life has been going on, you're here right now. Because God is at work. He's working, and I don't know if, you know, you're going to walk out the door and it's going to be different, and you're probably going, man, my situation isn't changing as fast as I'd like for it to change. But God is doing something in the short game and in the long game to make himself known. Do you know God in that way? You know, it's interesting, as the Thessalonians go through this, they have a, 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 a they, they, they exemplify all of the pieces of being Christians. They, they exemplify being like Jesus. You know, we haven't been all together, but there's a million stories about how you guys have loved up on each other. 
There's a million stories of how you guys have professed your faithfulness in God to people outside of our congregation. God is at work. Knowing God matters. Allowing yourself to experience what Jesus experienced. That's what Christians do. We miss the point when we say, no, I'm a little bit above that. I can't have any challenges. This is going on too long. Hey, I'm supposed to have this spot in the world. What's happening with us? That's the, I mean, it's the Romans. They got to be broke down. The oppression. God is doing something way bigger, church. You know, there's this, this. Turn back to Acts chapter 17, would you? There is a school of thought when we talk about knowing God. And that he's he's supposed to move the way that we want him to move. And then we have this other piece where where Paul, uh, after he gets ran out of Thessalonica, he ends up in uh, in Athens and he, he comes to this place and there's the Areopagus. There's a, a ton of idol worship, a ton of idol worship that goes on. And, and it says in, in the scripture that Paul is distressed by it. He's distressed by it and he goes in and, and he... And He shares about an unknown God. Acts chapter 17, starting in verse 20, 20, 23b. Therefore, what you are worshiping in ignorance, this I proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, he is the Lord of heaven and earth and does not live in shrines made by hands. Neither does he serve, neither is he served by human hands as though he needed anything since he himself gives every, everyone life and breath and all things from one man. He has made every nation of men to live all over the earth and has determined their appointed times and the boundaries of where they will live so that they might seek God. And perhaps might reach out and find him, though he is not far from each one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As even some of your own poets have said, for we are his offspring. Being God's offspring, then we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone and images fashioned by human art. And the imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God commands all people everywhere to repent. He sets a day on which he is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man he has appointed. He has he's provided proof to this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Church. Paul goes into this situation and it's a little bit different. He says, it's not like they were worshiping an unknown God. It was, it was like, you have opened the door for me to tell you who God is. This is who God is. God's made everything. He's created everything. Now I want you to think about, I, I, I think about some of the foolhardy thoughts I've had when I've forgotten that God created everything. 
that God is in control of everything. Amen. He's the Lord of heaven and earth. The rulers, the biggest mouse here on earth, they don't exceed our God. God does not live in, in temples built by human hands. God everywhere. As we met in small groups, the Lord was with us. Amen. When you were on the street, in the home, on the job, all alone, God was with us. You know, it wasn't something that you put together that, oh, this is the place where God is at. God, in, 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 in many senses, his Holy Spirit lives in us. Jeremiah talks about that, that when you repent, your, your heart will be softened from stone. It will, it will be made to flesh and, and you'll receive a, a spirit that will live in you. And so as image bearers of God, we bring God all over the world. We make God known. Amen. God is the source of our breath. You know, the people that he's speaking to, I'll go into that some other time, but, but their thought process is, is, is the soul is, is defined by warm breath. And when breath is gone, it's all over. And so he's answering, he's responding to these questions. God appointed the heirs for the successive nations. God desires that people would seek him. You know, the challenges that, that, that we go through, you know, the challenges before we became Christians that, that we went through, those things were brought about and they're going on in our lives so that we seek him and draw near to him. Now, I want you to understand this. There's all these Old Testament passages that, that have everything to do with this. God desires, look, look at Jeremiah 29, 13. You'll seek me and you'll find me when you seek me with your whole heart. You know, there's something to be said about seeking with your whole heart. You ever done something where you gave everything that you had? Everything? No holds barred? It's like, that's when. Yeah? When you surrender and you say, hey, man, I believe you can do anything. I've seen it. I know that that kind of God God is not far away he's in our presence he desires a relationship with us yeah he's not this distant character I don't have to go to the temple and worship this idol he is here we can speak. Amen. He's not bound by any sense of any item. This is the God that Paul wanted people to know. God is like God is not like an image made of gold or silver or stone. Can I confess something to you? You like be careful. You know, I, I saw where my, my heart was at in this this little uh, this little Bitcoin investment I made. This little coin investment. You know, it was going well. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like I made a million dollars off of it. It was just going well. You know what I'm saying? And I found myself watching it regularly, watching it regularly, watching it regularly. And it would go up and I was like, oh, man, I'm feeling this. You know, you start getting this hope and all of the stuff that you're feeling. And then it just dropped. It was like, Boom. 
And it was like, you, you know, it was like one of those those moments where you go, uh, I should have took my money out when I had a chance to. I mean, it was it was gone. And I noticed that the pep in my step was gone. That little bit of confidence that, that it was adding to my program, it was gone. I mean, I was walking around like this, you know. Hey, how's it going? It just goes to show that, that whether it be Bitcoin, whether it be a relationship, whether it be a title, whatever it is, when those things drop, God doesn't. God's not defined by those things. Bitcoin could go away. Uh, all of the unrest in the world could happen. But God will stay the same. Yeah? He'll stay the same. This is the God we ought to know. And then scripture says, God overlooks such ignorance. Why did he overlook such ignorance? God is patient, long-suffering, and he wants everyone to come to salvation. I don't know where you're at in your life. I don't know if you need to repent of anything. I, I don't know if somebody's sitting around here in the room looking at the back of your head or you're like looking back here like a mirror looking into somebody's face and you're saying that they need to repent or they should have repent or they should have done something. But but you're here this morning because God is a God of repentance. God wants people to be saved. God is merciful. God wants you to repent. So when he said this, it's like you guys need to repent. God has made a way for you to repent. This is your opportunity, church. If God is saying to you this morning, not only you to me, there's something that you need to repent of. How will you respond? This is the God that we should know. And there's judgment that will come. Church. Why is it important that we remember the message of a known God? It has everything to do with how we view the character and the power and the reality of God. There's a piece of us that may go, if it doesn't go the way that I would like, he's not God. And then there's another piece that that goes, I'm going to do everything in my power to make my own God. And when you compare it to both of those scenarios, the idea is this, that there's only one God that's in control of everything. And this is what we ought to remember because this propels us. This is the message that we share with people because this brings reconciliation. It not only brings reconciliation, but it brings transformation. It brings growth. It brings purpose. It brings reality. There's life beyond what we live here. We understand that known God. We move and shake like those Christians in 1 Thessalonians. I invite you this morning to walk with me with the true known God. 
gave his son so that we could be reconciled. He gave us a spirit so we could bear his image and has brought us into this community so that we can spread that message of the one known God. We're going to take communion right now. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your patience. We thank you for your love. We thank you for paying attention to the details of each of our lives and speaking to us in a way that we could hear. And Father, we thank you for your forgiveness. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you that you have us here right now together and we celebrate you, O King. We celebrate the new life. We celebrate the hope that comes with knowing you. As we drink of the cup and we eat the bread that represents Jesus' body, we're not only reminded of the death burial, but we're also reminded of the resurrection. We're reminded that you're always there, you're always at work, and you're a known God that we can rely on. We thank you and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you.